This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, you know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. That's a lot of bees. Yeah. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. That's important. You want an affordable price. Yeah, I do want one. Yeah, if it's too much, well, that's just not going to happen. No. <laughs> State Farm's on it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. I'm lowering my voice. Mm, Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Hi, I am Neil Young. And I feel good about being Conan's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell. Back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Well, hello, Conan O'Brien here uh, with another episode of my podcast. Conan O'Brien needs a friend, and I'm joined by my loyal team. My assistant of how many years, Sona? How many years have you been oh with me? Oh my God, it's going to be almost 11. Is it almost 11 years? I know. It seems Ugh. longer. Yeah, it does. Uh, no, you've been a good and trusted ally. That's nice. Yeah. Let's just you, leave it at that. When you guys first hired me, you said, you know, he'd, he'd love a five-year commitment. And I was like, five years? <laughs> oh my God. That's exactly what my wife said. <laughs> I said, I'd like a five-year commitment. She said, What? With you, with that body? Oh, no. And I was like, ugh. She was like, well, would you be working out? And would there be certain surgical enhancements? <laughs> so those were all handled. <laughs> and I got a five-year commitment. Okay. Yeah. She's and still with you. Well, there have been ma major payouts at certain <laughs> points across the way. She got a very good lawyer. Anyway, yes, we've been together uh, contractually 17 years. <laughs> And uh, I'm also joined by our, he, he says he's the producer, Matt Gorley. And I do prize you, Matt. You're very good at what you do. Mm -hmm. And once, you. once I determine what that is, I'll be even more impressed. Same here. I'm not sure what I do. Uh, no, you're, you're a calm, cool presence. <laughs> I don't quite know what it is you do. I know you make little tweaks here and there. Oh, I do more than little tweaks. I piece this whole thing together. Piece mm -hmm. it together? What are you yeah. talking about? We just bibble babble. Right. And then and you press record, and then you press stop when we're done. I don't. Will does that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Will. There's you notice, I have no buttons near me anywhere. <laughs> Let's give, that's true. Let's give a shout out to our master DJ, Funk 
Funk genius. <laughs> Will Beckton. Will Will is back there, and Will is always sitting behind. You've got uh, a console that looks like you're piloting the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> when again, I think there's a, pr- a play button. What do you, Will? Do, do you have to do things really? Is there, are there adjustments you have to make? I know that you lower my voice so that it sounds more, a little more masculine. What do you do? Ride levels mainly. Ride levels. Will's Man. the engineer, yeah. so he makes sure this thing is running smoothly technically. Yes. I take all those pieces, put it together, configure and edit the content of the segments and the interview. How and the dare intro. you edit me? Oh boy. You don't edit me. You I am... need some editing. Uh, please. <laughs> the occasional diatribe against the Ottoman Empire aside, uh, I don't oh, know. Nice. Well, I just, I really go hate to go back and, and, and go after empires that collapsed long ago. I have no problem with that. Uh, Take but, but, um, Why are you talking about this in the second season? How do you I not know this yet? Because I'm a guy, listen, this is my analogy. And if I've used this before, I apologize. I am the pharaoh that commissioned the pyramid. Oh, okay? God. And I'm occasionally brought out to look Ugh. at the massive, beautiful structure that's been no, built. No, you're the weird ancient alien that came down and said, build me a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Build me a triangle. Why? Not sure. <laughs> but do it. And then I'll, it'll freak everyone out. Also you, some crop circles. <laughs> yeah. We're the planet they prank. Yeah. You think about it. Aliens come to Earth to prank it once in a while. They build, they build a pyramid. They do something inexplicable that just has us scratching our heads. Stonehenge. Stonehenge. And yeah. then they blast away a couple of thousand light years and they just laugh their asses off. That's the best explanation I've ever heard for any of those things. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. And you're welcome. This planet is a big joke. <laughs> exactly. That's right. They're just cackling. They're hiding behind another planet crouched over, cackling. Well, we're going, huh, so maybe these were built by pharaohs to, <laughs> we got them good, glorp, gleep. Good one, ringorp. What will we do tomorrow, schlorp, glip? I don't know how many of us are there in this saucer, gling, glang. The best part You'd is think there only need to be two of us, lorb, glip. You can't see this. Why are we improvising so many different names, glom, gloop? Look at his Not hands. sure, gling, blang. There's 65 aliens in this. I didn't get to all of them. <laughs> Pretty think- good one. Slarbaglog, bling, gluk. Do you think they'll get mad? And so you don't need any editing. Wow. You waited to fire the torpedo. I like it. You made sure that the ship was carrying plenty of women and children <laughs> before you let go that torpedo. That sent us to the briny deep. The yes. um, the aliens speak English. Yes, okay. except they. Well, as we, an author, mm. there's license there. So what we have is a r- loose translation, but their names are not translated because okay. it's not funny to go. Good one, Dave. <laughs> You're right, Chris. Hey, Matt. What do you think, Rick? That's there's no laughs there, so you have to go glorp gleep. <laughs> All right, we. We really have to get down to business. I've been saying it. Uh, I am, um, man, I, this is, it's hard to 
build up guests sometimes because we've had so many great guests, not just last season, but this season, so many amazing guests already. But uh, my guest today is a legend. He is a music legend. And how often do you get to say that? He's got over 40 albums. Jesus. Yeah. I don't even own 40 albums. These are, well, you should own all of these because this is the man. He has twice been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And on October 25th, he will release a new album titled Colorado with his band Crazy Horse. I hope you're getting a pretty good idea of who this is now. He's also spent the past few years archiving his impressive body of work, which can be accessed at neilyoungarchives.com. If you're still confused, you've been sniffing glue. I am so excited to talk to him today. The legendary Neil Young is with us. So great to have you here. You and I have crossed paths. At monumental moments. Yes, at monumental moments. uh, When I was going through some emotional times, you were there for me. Uh, You've just always been a terrific... You're a muse, and you've been a you've been a really decent human being to me. I'm gulping over here. Yeah, <laughs> gulping. I, I didn't I know what gulping. that was. I thought that was acid reflux. It, it, a little of it. A little I'm of it. Fighting it back. I have a memory. I have a couple of memories. Uh, I was a writer at Sound Out Live uh, for a couple of years there, and people have always asked me, "What's the greatest uh, performance you ever saw? A live performance?" And without missing a beat, I have the answer. It was you. Keep on rocking the free world. And I've always thought. You can disagree with me, but the experiencing music on television, it's always one of the worst ways to experience it. Live it's music. scary. It's scary. But you did something, and I can encourage anyone who's listening to this right now, go and look up Neil doing Keep On Rocking the Free World on Sound Out Live. It is the best live television performance I've ever seen or ever will see because you didn't give a shit somehow, or you did, but you just went for it. And everybody in the room felt it, and it actually came through the television. Good. How do you do that? We were on uh, anti-TV. Yeah. We were in the room waiting. When we did uh, the night before, the day before, they have to go through your song. Yep, for rehearsal. For rehearsal, for blocking. Yeah. So all the cameramen, the experts with the cameras all know where you're going to be before you get there. Right. Which is counter to shaky pictures mode of operation. (laughs) Yes. I like to see cameras reacting to things and and that. So anyway, I was looking at, so we did rocking for blocking. You could have heard that one. That's a great recording. Yeah. And uh, Steve Jordan was, uh, was singing with me and we came up with that and and we went out and we did it. And then, and then, uh, they wanted us to do it again after we sang "Rockin' for Blockin'" and just and then so we did "Fucking Up" after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was really a good "Fucking Up." And I think somewhere there's a tape of that. There is something you do. You're famously antsy about things being too controlled, being too set up. A camera in your face. Make sure you hit this mark at this time. Your, That's yeah. not what I was put here for. Right. <laughs> I, I, I see a lot of people doing it so well that I just don't want to. I just Number one, I feel if you did that, then the music would be in a box. Yeah. You'd be having to be somewhere while you were playing music. Yeah. Wait a minute. How can that be? That, right. that doesn't work. To me, the music decides where you are. I remembered in that performance, you were all over the place when you were doing Keep on Rocking the Free World. 
you were roaming around and you were completely in, enveloped and consumed by what you were doing and you didn't give a shit about where the cameras were, how it looked. You were in it and you guys yeah. just tore the roof off the place. And I thought that's one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about today is there's something in you that I've, I wish I had myself. I try to have it. I would love to not give a shit. I would love to. I think you are. You're, you're coming off like you don't give a shit. Well, you're coming off like a, a guy who cares. I do care. A lot. Yeah, I do. And has a lot of feelings. But, uh, but the end result is that you don't give a shit because you're still doing your thing. Yep. You're doing your thing and you're doing it the way you want to do it wherever you are able to do it the way you want to do it. That's yes. what it looks like to me. Well, that is true. I see you. And I could be completely wrong. This is a guy who, it doesn't sting if someone doesn't like it. Do you know what I mean? No, and, it doesn't. And it doesn't I, hurt at all. That's, that's the, a good, that's a good thing. God bless you. I, I, I need to work on that because I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm a well, people, I'm a people pleaser and I do, I need to do it my way. But at the same time, the conflict is if someone's not happy, it gets to me a little bit and I wish it didn't. And you famously yeah. said, it doesn't mean that much to me. It doesn't mean that gift. much to you. And I'm like, that, I wish that was my, I wish that was, I'd get that tattooed on my forehead if I could. <laughs> you know, it just would look bad and I'd probably have yeah. to do it backwards so I could read it in the mirror. <laughs> you know, that was just always you, right? That's you as a kid in Canada? I, Is that I, you just didn't? I don't, I really, if somebody doesn't like something, that's just as exciting as them liking it. It's like. Oh, my head the, just came it's off. like the Democrats. <laughs> my head just came off. It's like off. the Democrats and the Republicans. They have right. these areas where they feel completely different about everything, yeah. and it's pissing both of them off. Yes, and so that's alive. You know, it's right. not not the greatest thing to be around all the time, but it's alive. So I think the other thing is alive too, where people don't like what you're doing because you, especially if you're not doing it for them. Yes. You're yeah. not trying to be who they want you to be. Right. You're doing what you want to do. Then if they don't like it, you know, that's pretty clear communication. But there's a lot of people who do like it. And they may like it even more if you didn't guard the edges. Yes. Well, you've done that time and time again where you'll have a massive hit. I think they couldn't like it more, to tell you the truth. I think they, <laughs> they like it as much. Right now, the people who are watching what you're doing and- yeah seeing what you've done and yeah. your life, it's a good its a good thing. I'll tell you this, and I don't know, for me, creatively, I've been happier in the last 10 years. And I never used to think about being happy. I used to think, well, that's, I was raised Catholic. I'm not supposed to be happy. I'm supposed <laughs> to, it's actually, it's supposed to be quite painful. I'm supposed to experience pain. and then A lot in, of guilt. Yeah, a lot Please. of guilt. And then in the next life. And blaming. And blaming. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, good. So we got that out of the way. And then the last couple. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm practically melting down over here now. Yeah, yeah. Now you see, uh, as long as you can feel my pain, that's the important thing. I'm with you. I had um, an experience I have to share, which is when I was uh, 10 years ago, when I was doing a tour, I was in San Francisco at the Masonic Temple and music was part of my show. And music has always been a I'm passionate about music. I'm a hack musician, but I love to do it. So I did mostly comedy, but some music. And at the end of the show, I would close with uh, a sped up version of 40 Days, like Ronnie Hawkins version of 40 Days. And at the end of the show, I'm playing that and I'm really feeling my oats. And I walk out into the crowd and the crowd's go going crazy. And I step up, 
I think on the edge of a chair in the audience and I grab a solo and I am punching above my weight. I'm not that good. I'm in A minor and I'm trying to pull off this solo and it's barely hanging on when I look down at the guy who's in the audience and you're looking up at me and liquid shit just, I think filled the aisles because, and I thought of all the people to look up at me when when I'm pretending to be a a rock and roll musician, to have Neil Young with those coal, those eyes like burning coals looking up at me like, I, I see right through. <laughs> you know, I don't. I feel you can see me here. I don't have those kind of eyes. I no, really don't. You don't. I don't have that. That's a total bullshit from the, someone spreading these rumors. So that like, you have demonic eyes. Yes. <laughs> All I can tell you is that you didn't even open the door. You you stared at it and burned a hole through it, and then uh, walked through the smoldering hole. Um. <laughs> So, I had to have some water after that. Yeah, yep. you feel better now? Almost. Uh, I don't like this plastic bottle. Oh, well, okay. It's glass. That's glass. Glass. Perrier. Yeah. Okay. Bubbles yeah. or glass and bubbles. Yeah. No plastic. Mm. I complimented you on your car on the way in. That was uh, a bottle being opened, by the way. That was not Neil turning his neck. Oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gonna have to pee. Listen. Oh my god! That was the sound of Neil Young pouring sparkling water into a glass. It's available in high resolution. <laughs> you can get it. You can feel it. You can feel it. You could feel that. Yeah. You can't if you listen to that in an inferior medium. You would not feel that uh, as much. As much. <laughs> Beautiful car. Thank Beautiful you. car out there. Yeah. Gorgeous car. A giant Eldorado. 57. 57 Berets. It is, I told you, it's a massive, massive trunk. It's a beautiful thing. The whole thing is just shapely and sculpted. It's like somebody cared about every little part of it. Somebody was really involved in yes. making that car. And everything you know, inside is, everything is harmonic with the, with the rest of the design and the materials, everything, is, and it functions really well. Now, here's the thing that surprised me. If you told me Neil Young's got this classic El Dorado, I would think, yeah, it's probably buffed and repainted and powder-coated to perfection. <laughs> Your car looks like it hasn't had a paint job since it was in the factory, and it's driven a lot of miles. And I love that. I love the fact that your car, it's a beautiful car, Paint job's a little shitty. Yeah, but it's there. It's there. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah, and, and if you look at it, you go, well, this, this has been with this car for a long time, so where's this car been? This, this is all part of something, you know, so I don't like to change it because uh, it shows its age, and it's not a bad thing. No. So I kind of like it. Yeah. Uh, and that's the car that you tool around in? A fair amount, it was on the cover of Trans in 1982. And, I know that and, cover. And, that, uh, and that's the car. That's the car. Yeah. 
as a special treat to you while we've been talking. I've had the car taken out, <laughs> buffed and repainted. Oh, thank you so much. That's and fantastic. Yeah. You, uh, you have, you know what I love, and this is so many people have let their music be used by commercials. And you have said, I don't want to do that. I don't want my music playing in a commercial. It's just something that happened. I don't know why. I just, I, I didn't want to do that. Everybody else. I mean, I'm always shocked at the songs that I hear while someone's putting Nivea face cream on their face. Uh-huh. And, and then I hear blowing in the wind. And I think, what the hell happened? You know? It's you know, unbelievable. I don't it's, know what happened. I just think that, I think everybody has their own way of dealing with what they've created. Some people really care a lot about it. And others are, they're moving on to the next thing and just moving on. Yeah. And combinations of those. So I, I don't know. What other people want to do, that's okay. I'm, I'm not against it. Well, I bring this up for a reason. I've been authorized by the Gold Bond Medicated Powder Company. <laughs> oh, my God. To license the song Heart of Gold. Oh. You would get $8,500. Mm. You need, as part of the deal, you need to sing it, and you need to sing it with the new lyrics. This is uh, a fine idea for somebody, really. Yeah. Well, I just I'm putting that, on, and I get a six percent finder's fee. Oh, man, that is yeah. a bargain. So I will talk to your. Uh, you seem very interested. I am. <laughs> this is a very. It's uh, just I've been know, a minor for a part you of, broke this out. You know, like listen, on the show, I, I like to. I think this is a deal we could get done today, wow. and uh, we could get you in the studio. You recut it. It just means talking about. Gold Bond medicated creams and powders. I'm going with it, man. It sounds like a great idea. Okay. It's, it's with, it's like in keeping with the way things are. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it really is, actually. You know what I love? I, I had the joy of uh, listening to your new record uh, last night. And Let me tell you something. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to it. I spoke with another guy mm-hmm. on the phone mm-hmm. about who had listened to my record. Yeah. Now, this is a record it took... Uh, we were in the studio for 11 straight days and nights, and, and I'd, I'd written everything. We went in, and we did the whole record, and we made a documentary about making the record. We did this whole thing and created it all right there in that amount of time. Really, really special record with old friends. And then this guy says, uh, I listened to your record, and uh, I could only listen to it on the speakers on my computer so i'm envisioning what the record sounds like through the speakers and this is the guy who talks who he's writing for like hundreds of thousands of europeans and you listen to the record through these little things so i'm going wow music has really you know gone to a new place it's like this down place where it's just part of the background and where a reviewer of us of an album can say anything about the album after just having time to listen to it on a computer if it's a real music thing so that let's jump back to where you were when you okay, said okay well you know we can cut that all out no 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 i don't want to cut that out because we won't, that, that's i can something, do it better i'll that, do another no one. no that's no. something you're <laughs> we'll do that after we do the gold bond medicated uh, song yeah which by the way i get six percent we talked about that yeah that's um, good i was in the bookstore i went to a bookstore a week ago I walk in, prominently displayed Neil Young and Phil Baker to feel the music, and I bought this book. And I, I knew a lot about this because I know that this is something you're really passionate about. A lot of people are very passionate about your attempt to get music 
to be preserved and recorded correctly so that people hear everything that was there in the studio when it was made. I read this and you actually talk about this crusade as being the most important thing you feel you've ever done, which is quite a statement coming from you because you've done well, a lot of important yeah. shit. I don't, I don't mean to make it seem like anything bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's huge. It's gigantic uh, for Earth, for people to be able to hear music like much closer to live when you hear it coming out of your speakers in your house or out of your earphones or anything, just to be able to hear all of it. And then, because you're hearing it all, you start to feel it. Yep. You, you, it's like we're being starved, and it's hard to get the feelings, even though music always will give you feelings, and music is great, no matter what it comes through. You're only getting 5% of it, so that's what this book is about. The book is really explaining, I understood this to some degree, but uh, when uh, iPods came out to, at the time, to get all of the music that people wanted onto their iPods, people were getting, everything was being compressed down to 5% of what was originally there. And there's a bunch of people who were just so happy to get their shiny iPod mm-hmm. and to have all of their music in one place. 5,000 songs. Yeah, that they didn't realize they'd made this sort of Faustian deal where... <sighs> You're getting this music, but you're really not getting, you're getting a, you're just seeing a tiny tip of the iceberg. You're not really seeing the 95% that's underneath. I understood that. What I didn't understand until I read your book was that the technology's changed so much since then that there's no reason for us to be compressing music anymore. There's no need for it in in the real world. Yeah. It's just existing and it's given people different levels of quality to sell the product at. Really, there should be one level. It should be great. It doesn't cost any more. There's no storage problem anymore. Streaming yeah. is is happening. You know, streaming up to this point has sounded really bad. I don't like streaming because it doesn't make me feel good to listen to it. But that's about to change. Right. And that, that's coming really soon in a giant way. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But what's interesting is that the technology has changed so that now we can get all this music and we can hear, I mean, it's something I love. I love it when I can hear a musician's hand change chord positions because yeah. their hand squeaks up against the back of the neck of the guitar. Yeah. And it's an acoustic thing in the air yes. that comes from movement. And, I, and you can pick that air up and everything in a fine recording. You get everything. It, just, it doesn't have to be limited to a little window. And people accepted that when they took on the iPhones and that whole generation of thing. They accepted it. They bought into it. But it's not necessary anymore. No, they can have, everybody can have 100% of what was, or 95% of what was recorded in the room. They can have that. They're not used to getting it. There's a little bit of an urgency in having this stuff recorded because the original tapes of these amazing recordings. And we're talking about pre-rock and roll. We're talking about jazz greats. We're talking about orchestral greats. You talk about Nelson Riddle. You talk about Frank Sinatra. You talk about these great recordings. That stuff is degrading. Yeah. It's, it's coming apart. It's falling apart. And if we don't get it, I don't care what happens to the technology, it's gone. That's it. Yeah. We have a moment. So, you know, that's, that's it. We got to try to figure that out and, and do that. There are ways of doing it, but it has to start happening. And, you know, so I'm hoping that by people actually being able to hear everything, 
very soon, not just with me, but in a giant way around the world and actually hear high res, that they're going to be able to understand the difference. It's a feeling. People have to, uh, they have to want it and love it because they've heard it, not because they've heard about it. There's been a big resurgence in vinyl in the last 10, 15 years. You know, Jack White, Third Man Records. Yeah. Doing recordings on vinyl. Uh, he made a vinyl record for me, and it's one of my prized possessions because I've had some cool things happening in my life, but when he handed me my vinyl record, yeah. I got a chill. To, to this day, I feel. Yeah, it's, and, and there's something about that. I don't know what it is, but it does... I, I don't know why... It's counterintuitive that a technology that existed in the 1920s would be superior and warmer and somehow richer and deeper than something than stuff we've come up with in the 1980s and 90s. It, it is counterintuitive, and I think it's just uh, it's just the way it happened. But uh, we can get out of it, and we're on our way out. Back then, it was all a reflection. It's like if you're looking at a perfect day with there's no wind, there's nothing, no distractions, and you're looking at Lake Shasta and Mount Shasta, and you can see the exact duplication of in the lake, reflecting in the water, in all the detail. A universe of detail. You can't go in and make it pixelate. That's what analog recording is. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Play. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. <laughs> I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. 
And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it in Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There's a quality you have that I think has stood you in very good stead. I think more than any of your contemporaries, you've been able to retain your, indi your indignation about things and your anger about things in a way that has really helped you. I was listening to your latest record and I was listening to it on proper speakers and <laughs> thank you that's yeah, great I did it for you but I can I can I, I can see you doing that and uh loud and I I was listening to it and I was thinking there's a lot of beautiful and really great powerful songs uh on the record on Colorado but you can still feel that you're angry you're angry about the environment there's a track green is blue yeah. and I can hear that you're mad, that you're, that you're, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that I think it's very hard for, to use a cliched term, but a rock star, someone who's achieved the very 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% kind of success that you've had to still be able to channel that. And I, th I think you have as much of that now as you probably did in 1966. Is that true? Well, I hope, I hope to, uh, you know, improve ways of getting it out there. With, you know, to, to just develop that. So I'm glad that you feel like you still have, that you're getting that feeling because physically I'm 50 years or more older than I was when I started doing this. Mm -hmm. So there's some kind of thing going on there that I'm dealing with. And uh, I'm very happy that you could feel the emotion coming out of these, out of these songs. It feels like... Uh... That's Crazy Horse. People say, what is it about Crazy Horse? Why do you like... That's it. 
I mean, these guys that you make get together it with. So that happens. They make the envelope that contains that, all so, of us together. So you guys get together and it's an alchemy that just, yeah. it, it, you, and it doesn't matter how long it's been, how many years since before that? Was it seven years or something? Seven years since we played and, and, uh, and Nils was, uh, was back in the band after being gone for like 40 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> took a little break. Yeah, took a break. To, and and uh, no, he's really, he plays with Bruce. But uh, he used to play Nils with Lofgren, me. Nils Lofgren, just an amazing yeah, player. Yeah. Yeah. He, he used to play with me on uh, After the Gold Rush and Tonight's the Night. Yeah. And a few other things that we've done. He's a great musician and a wonderful friend. And uh, it's really a, a, a brother. You recorded this album in a studio at a very high altitude in Colorado. How yes. high up were you? 9,200 feet, I think. Yeah. And when the members of Crazy Horse got to their rooms to check into the hotel, you had put oxygen tanks in their rooms. <laughs> <laughs> is that, uh, is yeah, that true? Yeah, we did. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it's tough, you know, when you first get up there. You yeah. have to acclimate. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you get involved in things, you use a lot of energy and you don't realize how much energy you're using until you stop using it. And then you go, I have zero energy. Yeah. I can't even breathe. Right. You know, so you got to have this thing around in the beginning to, in case that should happen. So in between solos, people would take <laughs> hits of oxygen. <laughs> you, can you can see, you can see it. You can see it happening. Uh, you know, it does happen eh? between songs, you know, maybe, you know, then there'll be a time in the day when you might get tired and you just try some of the oxygen out of this thing and it makes you feel, you can feel a difference. It's like you feel straight. I should be it's taking a, it now. <laughs> it's a weird really thing. Do. I'm not getting it. I haven't had, an, I don't think I've been getting a proper amount of uh, oxygen since the Gerald Ford administration. <laughs> I need a lot of help. Um, there's a really, there's a song at the end uh, of the album, I Do, which I listened to a couple of times. And then my wife came in from upstairs. She was listening in this, in, in this music room we have. And she came in and she was like, I love this song. She didn't even know. She didn't know I was listening to your song. But that's a very powerful song and uh, very simple. Some of your songs, some of my favorite songs of yours are deceptively simple, but they haunt you. Helpless is a good example of just... That's three chords. Yeah. I don't know why that song, it's like a hook that got into my lung when I first heard it when yeah. I was a kid and it's still with me. And I think you're able to do that better than anyone I know. You know, I like those kind of things. I find them in the music where the chords all lead to each other, but there's only three of them and you don't want to break out of it. Mm -hmm. It's a circle, but it's a threesome. Uh, it's it's not four, it's not two, it's three, but you're playing in a four time. Mm -hmm. So it does something to the beat all the time. It comes back from another place and it turns it around. And just when you think it should be starting, it's already started and it's into itself. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's a great thing. So I like finding those. And when you can find them, uh, it's, it, they're accidental and... And then you just try to hold on to it and not get distracted and forget it. I always think of Buddy Holly as someone who, early on, it, most of it's three chords. Yeah, he's but great. But man, what he could do with three chords. Oh, and there's something about, and I put you in this category too, of people who can, okay, it's in A. They go to D. They go to A. They go to D. And they go to A. And you know that you got to go to E at some point. But when you do go to E, 
it's a revelation. Yeah. It's a religious moment. <laughs> and it, and it's kind of like an Agatha Christie, like who done it where the, the butler, the E is coming. Well, no, anyone could tell you the E is coming, but yeah. it's this thing that I'll never understand. It's yeah. magical. You can have three chords, show me two of them. And then when you give me that third one, I yeah. really do feel like I just saw the face of God. I know. <laughs> you know? That's the musical uh, potion. That's what makes it all happen from yeah. the classics to every area of music has got that in it. If you put on something that you did with Buffalo Springfield or you put on something that you did in early solo career, can you relate to that guy? Can you, can you listen to that music and feel like this is, yes, that's my journey and I relate to him? Or does it feel like that's someone else now? Oddly enough, um, there are some songs that I'm still right with. Um, but they're not songs that I did in the same way as the Springfield ones. These mm -hmm. are the Jack Nietzsche. I did, I did Expecting to Fly with Jack. And if I listen to that today, I'm still right there. Other songs, I hear myself, and I'm, it's more of a, uh, of a performance, a live performance thing, like with the Springfield in the studio doing that, even though we overdubbed and were terrified. The whole the whole experience is is different. I can't. When I listen to that, I go, "That's me as a very young guy trying to figure out what I was doing." I remember how excited and scared I was, and because you're so like, young, yeah, and uh, I don't even know. I was like uh, twenty or something. Well, I, I was always aware that you to be that young and come down from Canada mm. and suddenly you're in the deep end of the pool. Yeah, and Stephen and I, we were just a couple of months apart. And when we, you, Stephen Stills, yeah, same yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just went through that whole thing together. It was amazing. The guys in the group, I remember the, the drummer, Dewey, he was an old guy. He was like 28 or something. That people guy, li people wow, live that long? Around. He's still doing it. You know? I mean, <laughs> isn't it time for you to go yeah. sell insurance? Uh -huh. Yeah. That's the rest of us were all about 20. So, you know, that was, it was exciting times. It really was to, to be doing that. But when I listen to that guy today, I, I don't, I, I'm going, that was, that's another guy. That's a young, scared yeah, 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 yeah. guy who of, hasn't quite figured it out yeah, yet. Especially that first record. Okay, I'm going to go real deep on an incredible nerdy question that's just for me. <laughs> and uh, well, it's not too deep for me, man. No, no, you're going to know what I'm talking uh. about. This is a question that's just for Conan, and they're probably going to, Forbid me this from going on the air, but you were one of the people that really got me interested in the Gretsch guitar because you played the giant White Falcon Gretsch oh, guitar. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was the coolest looking guitar in the world. And mm. I always dreamed about having a Gretsch guitar. And when I could first started teaching myself to play the guitar, I bought myself a 1964 Gretsch Tennessean. Oh, wow. Uh, nice. Yeah. And I have it to this day. But for you, was the Gretsch about the sound or was it about the look? Because it is a, the Gretsch, the White Falcon the is Gretsch, a big, Falcon. crazy looking, I always think it's sort of like, and this is a, like, it's like a prostitute. Like yeah. it's from a yeah. distance, it looks amazing. Oh, yeah, and then you get yeah, up yeah, close yeah. and it's all glittery and yeah, white right, and has right, these right. gaudy no, knobs and you're like, oh my God. It's a showbiz, uh, it's a showbiz <laughs> statement. It really is. It is made for a time that has passed, mm -hmm. but it's just so proud of itself. My <laughs> God, yes, it's great. So you can't, 
you know, mine's almost <laughs> yellow now. It's got so, you know, from from me playing it and from being around and everything. But the first one I got, I gave to Stephen. Stephen and I traded. I think we traded White Falcons in the Springfield. Oh, okay. okay. I, the one I started off with was a mono one. That's the one he plays and that he played on Ohio. And I switched to the stereo one, which yeah. he had. So we switched. You know, I, I love the stereo because... That's the three bass strings are come out of one amp, uh-huh. and the three high strings come out of a, a completely different amp. I mean, it's like, and then they swing back and forth when you're going back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It flies through the air behind you. It's fantastic. Now, see, everything you've just said sounds right, but to me, and I'll just admit it, it was about the look. It was about. Yeah, well, it, it was about. It's, it's a good look. It's this big. I didn't care if it sounded like shit. When I was in my 20s, and even when I was a writer on The Simpsons and stuff, I had my hair piled up, mm-hmm. I had the long sideburns, and I had a Gretsch. <laughs> and their other writers were like, who the fuck is this guy? What is his problem? Uh, he looks he looks like, uh, <laughs> looks like a rooster. He looks great. He looks like a you rooster know, on speed. Who is this? Why is he a comedy writer? <laughs> he should be in a 1950s movie getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> but I loved having this. Uh, it was all about the look of that guitar. And so I just thought, okay, I'm asking Neil about the, the Gretsch, and now I got my... Look at the Eldorado. What's the difference? You're right. Beautiful... America at the height of its artistic show powers. business car. Yeah. Whoa. This is not a normal car. Right away, you look at it and you go, God, they spent all, some artists couldn't sleep because of the, the, the angles and the, 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 the curves. They kept them up at night. They were up 24-7 yeah. working on the chrome, working on all this stuff. And then all the functions have started really working. They really did it. You know, they, they, there's the great saying that's been a mantra in my life, God is in the details. That's a lot what you've written about in To Feel the Music. It's a lot in your career, which is, I don't care if you care or not, but here's the weird dichotomy with you. You've got a lot of power and you don't give a shit, but you also care very deeply about what you do care about. And so you care very much about I'm going to put the details in there. I'm going to appreciate the work that goes into the Eldorado. I'm going to appreciate yeah. the beauty that goes into the Gretsch. I'm going to appreciate the work that goes into this great analog track. And if that leads me nowhere, I don't care. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I, I mean, I'm really, I really like what I do, and I'm enjoying it. So, you know, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. That's why I'm here right now working on this documentary for this for the record when we made it and we were ingesting the oxygen between the takes and everything everything that happened it's like so in your face and there's, you guys recorded around the clock I mean nothing pretty pretty much cool about it yeah we're a bunch of dickheads <laughs> <laughs> please put that on the poster please put that on the poster no, you can I see we're a bunch of dickheads speaking, in theaters. Speaking for myself, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I would never work with me. I'm crazy. I would never work with me. I'm crazy. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to get the word out. We're putting that's, that on your resume. You may never work again after you've let that. This. Well, it's in your hands. You know, you have the show. I yeah. said it on the show. Yeah. I'm going to have to live with it. That and the, the ad for Gold Bond medicated powder. Yes. That's... Uh, it's over $8,000 that comes to you. I, they're That's moving directly my equipment in right now. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing I'm going to mention is a bunch of years ago, you played on my show, and it was a huge deal for me, and I hadn't met you before. 
I didn't see you right after the show. I thought you had left. I come into my dressing room. I had a guitar there. I always pick up the guitar and mess around with it a little bit, much to everyone's annoyance. After the show to talk it down and I go to strum it and someone has completely detuned it. <laughs> and I was pissed. I was really pissed. And I was like, who? I was like, who fucked with my guitar? Who fucked with my guitar? And just then you peeked around the corner and you were like, gotcha. <laughs> Neil Young came into my room. I didn't tune it correctly again for a long time. No, D-modal. So was, you were in D-modal. You yeah. just didn't know it. I just didn't. I was in D-modal and didn't know it and still don't know it. And uh, it was one of the great, again, one of those moments where I thought, all right, I can die now. Neil Young just <laughs> played a prank on me and detuned my guitar. And then stuck around to watch me react. You probably could have written some great songs if you'd known you were in D mode. <laughs> You're right. Great songs could have been written, uh, but they're not. This, uh, I know you've got, I know you're a very busy guy, and I love that you're a very busy guy. And I want to say it is one of the great honors in my life that you would sit down with me and talk about everything. Frankly, um, you know, it's, it's really fun. It's good to see you. You look great. How man. do I look? Do I look okay? You look fine. I mean, I look fine too, right? We're fine. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> Kind no. of not. <laughs> okay, so I was going to say. Uh, not Let's, that be honest. Let's be honest. We both know. I think we both look great. I yeah, really do. Yeah. I'm very attracted to both of us right now. And, it's uh, a great feeling. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, keep, uh, please keep doing what you're doing. I, I intend to, and you too, and uh, and uh, I'd like to come and do your TV show. Yeah. Well, okay, guess what? Great. No. Okay. <laughs> We're busy. I that was night. prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, you know what I like? I, I have like... a whole new act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any music I could listen to, we can't just book you until we hear some stuff. Okay, Neil. Yeah. So uh, have someone get in touch with us, and I want to see some tape, and I want to uh, I want to hear some some music. Okay. It can be anything. We'll bring it out. I'll be along right after it gets there. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. 
Easily install the ADT self-setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, on every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. A few weeks ago, you mentioned something about specific Gerber's baby food, and so I thought we'd try some of it out. It's actually something we have in common, one of the rare things, but I thought we might celebrate I think we have a lot of things in common. We do? Yeah. Too many we do. things. Hmm. Oh, wait. I didn't have my glasses on. Who is this? this oh, Gorley. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. We have very little, yeah, a few things. I just put my glasses on. That's the stuff. No, no, no. There I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought uh, Michael Jordan was sitting next to me. <laughs> One of the greatest basketball players of all time and a world-class competitor. And I thought, yes, we have a lot in common. But then I put my glasses on. Oh, and it's just Gourley. But no, yes, you're right. Uh, We have nothing in common. Yeah. So I'm currently divvying out some spoons. He's handing out some wooden spoons. Um, And I have some vanilla custard pudding from Gerber's. God. This is great stuff. I know. I love this. I don't know how I feel about eating baby food. Let's recap. Okay. I admitted my brother Neil and I used to steal my baby brother Justin's <laughs> yeah. Gerber's baby food. We would steal it. Yeah. And for years, my brother Justin was malnourished. Uh, how old be- were you and how old was your brother Justin? Uh, I'm 10 years older than Justin. So at the time, he was a baby. I was 10. And my brother Neil was probably in his late 40s. Uh, He fought heroically uh, at Iwo Jima in World War II. Anyway, um, we used to steal it. Total assholes. We would steal food from a baby's mouth. And I did the same to my brother. And you did the same thing to your brother. Yeah. And now here we are reliving this great memory because you went out and bought this Gerber baby food, which is meant. There's a little uh, depiction on the side of a toddler. And I'm thinking about the baby that's not going to get this food. <laughs> because you know what's depressing, too, is they don't come in those little glass jars anymore. Oh, I love the glass I jars. Know. There is some food that does, but this doesn't. And can I tell you something? Yeah. You would unscrew the top of the glass jar and it would go, yeah, do that. Yeah. So like, it would make that sound. The seal. Pop. And that was the sound of a of a child being robbed of its vital nutrients. And I want to say right now, I'm not, I'm just giving you the statistics. I am six feet, four inches tall, about 194 pounds. I am, if anything, probably overnourished. And here I am eating this baby food. This is, this isn't right. This is weird. You don't like it? I, this is weird. I don't know. Because I, I didn't it. have a younger sibling, so eating baby food is just... Oh, you guys went right in for oh, it. Oh, yeah. God. It mm. smells weird. No, it's not like... how mm. I feel about it. Mm. Yeah. It just has that, you that little vanilla kick that you don't get in anything else. There's uh, actually, you get it with most things. They uh-huh. put vanilla in almost everything. But no, this has something special. Uh, yeah. Ugh, I'm out. No? Here, wait. I don't... Uh, you know what? I, can I just say it. one thing? It says right here, made with... <laughs> Hold it. 
<laughs> oh, God, Captain Crunch. We got it all. You didn't let me finish. Yeah, it says right here, you know what adds to the strange taste, Sona? It says made with real breast milk. And then there's a picture of the woman whose breast milk it is. <laughs> oh, really? Hey, look, it's Andy Richter. Andy! Oh, Yay! Do you want some baby food? No. No? It's really not good. It, it is isn't. not. Mm. Can I my say something? Da- my daughter used to eat it even like into like when she was nine or ten and stuff, and it's nasty. That's what we were talking um, about. You know what? This is not what I wanted. I may have mislabeled it, and this tastes awful. Oh, when you were like, like you mean like. I was podcasting. You, or- you ordered your people, get me baby food. No, no, I didn't <laughs> order them. <laughs> I didn't order them. I talked about it on the air. and um, I brought you the head of Thomas Beckett. This is not the flavor I remember, Sona. And it doesn't taste good. It does not taste good. Is this your your regular podcast? I don't know what this is. No, 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 no. This is the regular podcast. I don't know what this is. You know what this is? This is gold. (laughs) Daisy's never had Captain Crunch. Oh, you're giving Captain Crunch to your dog. And he's having a seizure now. Everybody wins today. She gets lots of sugar. She gets, yeah. She Um, doesn't drink water. She drinks Pepsi. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. We're leaving for real. Bye, doggy. All right, Andrew. Bye. Bye. What a Nice. Yes. See you later. See ya. Bye, Andy. <laughs> I also think that the recipe probably changed in the last 40 years. They probably had things in it that were okay in the 70s that you can't put in food anymore. You I know, wonder. like asp- asbestos and Agent Orange <laughs> and uh, little pieces of uh, chainsaw chain. You, don't you know, think our, little- our palates could have changed. Yes. But maybe it's us and not the baby food, you know? Well, I guess there's innocence was lost. Yeah. Uh, those were more innocent time when stealing food from a baby seemed funny to me. <laughs> Wait a minute. It feels funny to me now. It still feels funny. <laughs> think of how tall. My brother Justin is tall, but think how he'd be a little taller yeah. if I hadn't stolen his and baby food. And you'd probably be a little shorter. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who does that? Anyway, I just want to- owe him an s- apology. What's that? I said you owe him an apology. I owe Justin, my brother Justin, an apology for many, many, many things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The stealing his food may be the least of it. Mm. <laughs> but that's between my brother Justin and I. I do love the guy. A very talented young man. I will publicly apologize to my brother, Carrie, for doing that. I'm sorry. I'm s- I want to apologize to your brother for having you for a brother. <laughs> well, he may be the one person that that's, that's merited. Yeah. I can just see you wearing your spats and your pork pie okay. hat. No way. Because you came wearing into your... work today wearing a crocodile Dundee hat. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I sure did. <laughs> it's a hat that I got in Australia. It's a uh, great crocodile Dundee uh, cowboy hat. It's got little teeth in it. And I got it sort of as a joke in Australia and I look badass in this thing. thing. I look fantastic and uh, when I walk around I feel good. It won't go on because I have (laughs) headphones on. Anyway, let's make some evergreen comedy that doesn't depend on a prop that's in the room. Let's do real stuff. All right, well, let's You know, I have higher standards than you guys. You guys are, what is this? You know, hey, look, uh, look at, so you wore a hat. Hey, I just saw you burp. Ha, ha, he, 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 ho, ho, ho. You know, let's make something real. Let's make something good. You don't even listen. You don't even know how this turns out. People were complimenting you on on your Michelangelo accent. Yeah. It was very accurate. (laughs) No, it was not. Yes, it was. That's how Michelangelo spoke. Let's hear it again. I thought, you know what happens to me? I forget what it is I talked about because I just blither and blather. It's a nice thing. People liked the episode with David Letterman. uh, And I swear to God, I don't remember it. It's just as simple as you were basically um, doing a derogatory accent of another ethnic group. Yeah. It's not derogatory. Mm. Well, I said that. 
that Michelangelo was a dick and then you went with that. But here's the thing, though. I confused Michelangelo with Beethoven. So because someone was just talking to me like a week before we recorded that Beethoven was a dick. So when you said Michelangelo, I was like, oh, yeah, I heard he was a dick. <laughs> I, got, I got them. Confused. No, no. Uh, listen, I don't Too want offensive to... German accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beethoven uh, had reason to be a little cranky, very hearing impaired. Geniuses. Trust me, not a not an easy road to hoe uh, when surrounded by so many mediocrities. So my point is this: my point is that it's difficult for these people, and it was probably difficult for Michelangelo. So I think "dick" is a strong term. And, and no, I think you can be, probably be really good at something you do, and then be nice to people. <laughs> that's a good that's a good joke. He's unironically laughing. Right now. I think you can. I what? think it's okay to be nice to people yeah, around I agree. you. I agree. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's the sound of me having remorse. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. It's also <laughs> the sound a pervert makes when he's yeah. peering in a window. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's my remorse sound. Let's wrap this up. Oh. Well, wrap this up. This is it's finally getting good, you know. And then the minute I find true gold, which is the sound of my repentance, sounding a little bit like a perv's <laughs> orgasm. Oh. Oh. Who took the last slice of pie? Conan, was it you? Uh, what are you doing there, son? I'm folding a paper. I'm thinking about what you said. Here's the thing that's weird about it is that when they're actually dicks, they don't realize what genius is that they're going to be perceived to be eventually. So they're oh, just no. dicks. You don't think Michelangelo and Beethoven? No, are? I think he was just a guy painting a ceiling. And then nobody knew <laughs> no, how it was going to turn out. No, it was not a out. guy painting a ceiling. I, I don't think anybody knew how it was going to turn out until it was done. But until then, he was just kind of a dick. No, probably. no, no. Okay. First of all, welcome to history from people who've never read history. Michelangelo was a master sculptor and had proved that he was a master painter. By the time the Sistine Chapel gig came along, they weren't taking a flyer on some guy who had a, a giant roller brush and a bunch of blue paint. He had proven himself to be one of the foremost masters, both of sculpture and uh, painting. I mean, he was a genius also at architecture. Well, I'm that, sorry, if you want to know more, uh, read uh, The Agony and the Ecstasy. Wonderful, no, uh, wonderful think, novel. I don't think I will. You said it was 800 pages, so So you're going to read that? No. Oh, Wikipedia it. <laughs> I could probably know just as much as you know just by reading his Wikipedia page. So, who's <laughs> the stupid one here? Okay. I guess you win that round. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>